Hello and welcome to Query, where we provide simple answers to your tech questions. My name is Stephen Hackett, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Micah Sargent. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Micah, how are you? I'm doing well today. Uh, you know, for, for those who, who will be listening to this, I'm sure tomorrow or later in the week, they don't know, but we're recording this on Tuesday, which is midterm election day. So I'm excited to vote. It's awesome. Good. Good job. Appreciate you taking the time to do that. I feel like I've got a little deja vu with this episode. I feel like we've done several episodes this <laughs> fall of like, there's new Apple stuff we should talk about. <laughs> people have questions. Apple just been like on this slow roll. Starting with the iPhone and, and then iPads and Macs, lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, so we're going to start with the uh, with the iPad Pro. So what's going on there? Well, okay. So I've actually gotten a few questions about the iPad Pro. I've seen a few online. I've seen some uh, conversations about the dongle dock situation for this new iPad Pro because we've got this model that has, you know, all of this fancy stuff. It's so powerful. It is a computer replacement for some people. Please don't at me, please. Uh, and so people are wondering, Hey, how can I, how can I do this? And, uh, actually got a question. I think that was just yesterday, uh, from podcast editor extraordinaire Jim Metzendorf asking about, uh, being able to charge and plug in some headphones at the same time. And, uh, Eng Loy Tan, uh, also asked us, Will there be a dongle with both VGA out plus 3.5 millimeter audio for connections with legacy projectors? Or will a USB-C to HDMI dongle attached to another HDMI to VGA plus 3.5 millimeter audio dongle work? <laughs> wow, wow, wow. So I think the first answer here is we don't. Well, I can't, I can't, I can only speak for myself, but I certainly don't work in Apple's manufacturing department. So I can't be sure mm. what dongles they are, aren't working on. What about you? The truth has come out. <laughs> <laughs> what is your truth, Stephen? Do you work in their manufacturing department? Uh, I do not. No. Okay. So we can't be sure, uh, whether that will be released, but what we can talk about is what's out there already and sort of what, uh, folks are working on and Apple itself in its store sells a USB-C to SD card reader, uh, which of course lets you pop in an SD card and uh, use it to work on either iPad or on a Mac that has mm -hmm. USB-C. And then the very adorable USB-C to 3.5 millimeter headphone jack adapter. So it looks a lot like the uh, Lightning to headphone jack adapter. It'll be very familiar to you, but it works with any uh, USB-C device so that you can listen to audio. Um, so that's Apple's official options, but we do have some uh, third-party options too, right? Yeah, it's kind of funny because it's USB-C, like pretty much USB-C stuff should work. Uh, we got a link in the show notes to this uh, this uh, article over on Cult of Mac, uh, an accessory maker called Hyper. I actually have several of their devices. I have one on my iMac Pro and I have one in my bag for my MacBook Pro. They make USB-C and Thunderbolt 3 stuff. And their sort of thing is instead of having like a plug and then a little short stubby little cord with all the stuff on the end of it, this like just plugs directly into the side of your device. Like on a MacBook Pro, it just sort of slips right in. So they have a, uh, a giant uh, <laughs> USB-C hub that just mounts on the side of your iPad and you get some USB-A 
and HDMI and audio and SD card and like it's not the prettiest thing in the world, but it's pretty functional in the sense that you get all these ports just uh, all at once without having to like interchange dongles. And what's really yeah. kind of nice about this, if you use an iPad in your lap or something, you don't have this like dangling off, right? Like it just mm-hmm. kind of becomes part of the iPad, which is one reason I like their MacBook Pro product so much because it's not uh, sort of like flopping around. It's just sort of an extension of the laptop. Not the prettiest thing in the world, but probably the most functional and uh, they are um, going to be shipping this, I think, here pretty soon. I think in December is what they've said. So yeah. um, it's coming. Uh, but, you know, if you have some USB-C stuff that works with your MacBook or your MacBook Pro or something, chances are to work with the iPad. Because like that's one nice thing about this is that USB-C is definitely like more universal than having half USB-C and half Lightning adapters in your bag. Yes, precisely. That's what I like about it. Um it certainly is not the, you know, cleanest, most beautiful solution. And I don't think anyone, you know, thinks that, but it's sort of the, it, it's for an eyesore. It's not bad, I guess is what I'll say. And, you know, they've taken care to uh, make it in both silver and space gray models. It's got the curved edges that match the iPad, et cetera, et cetera. So it's it's okay. It's just not great. Um, and then the other option out there is something that, you know, folks I think will be familiar with for anybody who has had an iPhone that doesn't have a headphone jack. Uh, you may have purchased one of those uh, handy little devices that lets you both listen to wired headphones and charge your device at the same time and plugs in via lightning. Well, uh, because, you know, these Pixel devices and other devices that use USB-C have been out for a while, these have been out for a while too. So you plug it in with USB-C and then out uh, from that as a little device that lets you plug in headphones and the USB-C charger. Now, some folks might go, but the future is wireless and we've got wireless headphones and why do we even need to worry about wired headphones? Well, for folks who are doing things like garage band, you know, any sort of audio recording, uh, audio playback or in the case of podcast audio editing, you, or, or even I think, um, video editing, you're going to find some latency with any of that wireless stuff. And so being able to be plugged in and listening is important in those cases in order to get the proper sort of listen through as you are working. So there is some some reason behind needing these devices. And if Apple's not making them, we've got third parties that are working on them for us. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I do hope that this continues, that we see more more options to plug things both into the iPad and, and the MacBook and MacBook Pro. The thing that kind of kills me about USB-C, and I'm really curious to see what you think about this, it feels like USB-C is some sort of indicator that there's more coming. It's like right now, the iPad with a lightning port or the iPad with a USB-C port, they're, they basically do the same things. I think the big addition is if you have a USB-C iPad Pro, you can charge an iPhone from it. It acts as a giant, <laughs> very expensive battery bank. That's why I actually am thinking about getting one, so I could yeah. charge my iPhone. Yeah. Oh I, need, oh, I need a new battery bank. I'm just buying an iPad instead. <laughs> but, but it hasn't unlocked a new world of capability. Like The thing that really bugs me and a lot of bugs people is like there's no way to manage external 
file storage on mm-hmm. an iPad. You know, when it was Lightning, I sort of understood it, but now that it's USB C, it's like, well, I have an SSD here, or I have an SD card with audio on it, and I can't import that into the Files app, or can't deal with it directly in any application. And I'm really hoping, and my fingers are crossed, that iOS 13 next year sort of unlocks the USB-C port in a way that we haven't really seen on the iPad and makes it, uh, you know, we've, we've spoken about this, making, making it more aware of the, the world around it. Because right now it's, it's kind of, it's not a, a world of difference from the Lightning port, I don't think. Yeah, I agree. And I, I, I don't know, has anyone done any tests on the uh, IO for, for, you know, if you do, if you plug it into your USB-C Mac and you do an iTunes backup or some other sort of over USB-C backup, uh, is, I, I don't know if anyone's tested to see if that's faster. And then also, if you have one of the very expensive USB-C, um, adapters, like AC adapters from Apple and you plug it into the iPad, does it charge faster? Because up to this point, we've not seen uh, you can tell, like, if you look inside of, of current iPads, the little pins are only on one side. They're not on both sides. And if they were on both sides, then that's supposed to mean faster data transfer and potentially faster charging. Well, now that we've switched to USB-C, in theory, that, that should mean faster data transfer and faster charging, uh, especially with one of those souped up adapters. But I don't know. I have not looked into that to see if anyone's done any testing. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. I don't think I've read anything definitive. You know, the the most recent iPad Pros do sync at USB 3 speeds, but just the Pros, and I, I would assume that's the same here. Uh, and I would I would also assume that it can, you know, quick charge faster. You know, so so one nice thing about the new iPad Pro, it comes with a I believe an 18 watt USB-C charger in the box, which is bigger than what was there before. So it should charge faster with that. But, you know, these things, like we're recording this the day before they come out. So there's still a lot of sort of unanswered questions that I think mm-hmm. will will come to light in the next few days. But all in all, I think it's a good move for the iPad. I think it signals that the iPad is more than just a big iPhone. Like I think they are <laughs> positioning it more and more as a computer. But I think the software just needs to catch up with the hardware because this hardware, frankly, is incredible. And it's I think it's time for iOS to, to step up and and, you know, come along for the ride. I agree. All right. Uh, we got a bunch more to talk about, but I want to tell you about our sponsor this week. This episode is brought to you by Pingdom. While you've been listening to this podcast, have you thought, maybe my website's down? Well, how would you know? Would you know if customers couldn't click that Buy Now button or access your content? You might stumble across the problem by luck, or someone may email you or send you a tweet, but that's not good. Like You need a system to manage this thing. You need something to tell you that everything is running smoothly on your site, and more importantly, when it's not you need Pingdom. Pingdom will let you know the moment your site goes down in whatever way is best for you. So I get push notifications and text messages if, if Relay FM goes down. Uh, I know instantly. And it's super smart. Pingdom will get the information needed to solve the issue sent to whoever needs it. So if you're just one person like me, well, that's just me. But if I had a whole team of, of webmasters and engineers and stuff, I could tailor what notifications go to what person. Pingdom is dedicated to making the web faster and more reliable. They use more than 70 global test servers that emulate visits to your site, checking its availability as often as every minute. All Pingdom needs is the URL, and they just take care of the rest. Don't risk being the last one to know about something on your site being broken. Start monitoring your website today. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial 
with no credit card required. And then when you sign up, use the code QUERY at checkout to get an awesome 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom for their support of this show and Relay FM. Hey, thanks. Uh, so let's go ahead. You know, Stephen, this is I, I made the joke earlier that if we were doing some sort of trivia night, you would absolutely take the crown, take home a, a new MacBook. Uh, so we spent the first half talking about the iPad Pro. Let's go ahead and talk about uh, what new Macs make sense for what folks, because Boy. <laughs> this right, this is a question I get a lot uh, when when someone, you know, is thinking about getting a new computer uh i tend to not not you know on purpose but it just seems that the folks who i'm surrounded by tend to be uh folks who are interested in apple stuff and so they'll ask me hey which mac should i get and that used to be kind of difficult to answer but now we've got a new macbook air we've got that old macbook we've got macbook pros even like the mac mini which i know doesn't fall into the the notebook line but you have sort of um put together some some information about these so let's let's chat about that. Yeah, so if you if you want to buy a sort of consumer level laptop. So you know that like the the Touch Bar MacBook Pro is is too much machine for you, it's too expensive, it's overkill. You have a lot of options when it comes to Macs you could buy in the portable space. So just quickly you have the old non-Retina MacBook Air, it costs a $1000. It's ancient, but <laughs> uh it has legacy ports, which some people are, you know, it's really important to their workflow to have SD card slots and USB-A and main display port and Thunderbolt, all that stuff. Uh, it's got a full i5 or i7 CPU, but again, it's a it's a really old version of it, and it's really been outrun by anything you could buy today, and it's there's no retina display, and so that display is it's pretty old and kind of gross, and if, um, <laughs> if that's important to you, then the, the MacBook Air is probably, uh, the old MacBook Air is probably... Uh, worth skipping over. So we very quickly move into the okay, the twelve, you know, twelve hundred dollar, thirteen hundred dollar range. Uh, and here we have three options. We have the twelve inch MacBook at twelve ninety nine. It uses the Core M three or the i five or i seven processor. It is a very low wattage processor. This machine does not have a fan. All that translates into like the twelve inch MacBook is not fast. It is fine for like office use, fine for home use, but any sort of photo or audio editing, you're going to very quickly hit the wall. Um, but what you get for that is crazy portability. So it's it's the lightest and smallest Mac notebook. It uh, it does just have one USB-C port, so no Thunderbolt. But it starts with a 256 gig SSD and 8 gigs of RAM. So right out of the box, you get a pretty nicely specced machine. But you're trading some power and some functionality for uh, like the, the ultimate portable Mac. This thing is tiny. Like the MacBook still blows my mind three years later how small it is. <laughs> and then sort of the other end, you have the two-port MacBook Pro, also $1299. Comes with a 15-watt i5 or i7 CPU, so it's it's much faster and can really handle much more complex workflows than the uh, than the little MacBook. It starts with 128-gig SSD, so the storage is smaller. To, to make that 256, you're going to spend a little bit more. Um, no touch bar, no touch ID, which is the same as the MacBook. But the way I see it, like the, the MacBook and the, the two port MacBook Pro sort of anchor each end of this decision. Both are $1299. In the middle, you have our new MacBook Air. It's $1199. It's 13 inches, but it's only three quarters of a pound more than the MacBook. So it's still pretty portable. 
It's actually like if you were familiar with the old 11 or 13 inch MacBook Air, it's basically right in between size wise because they got the bezels much smaller. Everything's like nice and tight. Two Thunderbolt 3 ports like the MacBook Pro. But the CPU is closer to the MacBook. It's a Y-series CPU, but it can run hotter. It is fa- it is definitely faster than the MacBook, but definitely not as fast as the MacBook Pro. So it's right in the middle. It starts with 128 gig SSD and 8 gigs of RAM uh, and has Touch ID, which the other two machines don't have. So you kind of get, the way I view it, you kind of get the best of both worlds with the mm-hmm. MacBook Air. You get to run a display that's 13 inches and not 12, but it's still really light and really portable. You get two Thunderbolt 3 ports and not USB-C like on the MacBook. Yeah, the, the performance isn't on par with the MacBook Pro, but you get crazy battery life uh, as the upside of that. And so for me, like initially this looks really confusing, but I think if you go into it thinking the MacBook Air is the default like consumer Mac notebook now, just like it was for the last eight years or something. Um, if I need something more powerful, I can spend a little bit more money and get the 13 inch, you know, two port MacBook Pro and have something that's, you know, noticeably more capable, but still pretty light and pretty small. Mm-hmm. Or if I really want, if like the most important thing to me is that I want this thing to be teeny tiny and really <laughs> lightweight. You know, if I, if I'm, you know, traveling consistently for work and, or I am, you know, using this uh, on the go just all day, every day. And like the smallest thing I can get, that's the most important to me. Spend a little bit more and get the MacBook. It's and, really sweet how you're trying to find a use case for that one. I like that. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, we can have the discussion of like what of these machines should go away. In that case, I think the MacBook should go away and we just have the Air and the Pro again. But um, if that's not the case, if they're all sticking around, I, I do think that the MacBook has a separate use case for some people than the Air. But it's a real thin line. And and to me, the Air, it's the default option again. And yeah, like it's not for me, but you know, I do audio and video. Like right, I need right. more power. In fact, I have a, a pretty beefy MacBook Pro. And of course I have an iMac Pro on my desk. So like I'm way out of this, <laughs> way out of this conversation. <laughs> but you know, people are, are taking it to school or using it in an office or using it as like a home computer. I think the Air is a great machine and pretty good value for money. Uh, when you look at what you get for it, I think so. That's definitely whenever the MacBook Air was announced, and you know they talked about all the features. I absolutely said, okay, this is the one. This is the one that I will be suggesting when someone asks me what uh, what they should get, what MacBook they should get. Uh, finally, Apple has that back because I couldn't in good conscience recommend the MacBook because most of the folks who would want that machine would run into some of the limitations that it has because they don't just want it for that super, super portability. They want it to be their everything machine and still be light. And, you know, for years, so many university students and so many writers would use the MacBook Air and then the MacBook Air sort of, you know, fell behind. But now we've got this modern MacBook Air that offers everything or a lot of the stuff that everything else has, including finally that nice retina display. So it's really exciting. And it, it feels like this is once again the answer to that question of which one should I get? So I'm happy that it is, it's there and, you know, folks can get that. And like you said, if they need to, they need to take another step up, then they've got the MacBook Pro there to do so. Yeah. You know, I wish the air was, you know, a thousand ninety nine. You know, that that'd be that'd be great. Oh, it's not. Yes. It's, you know, 
but it's um, price aside, I think it is sort of like where you start. And then you sort of move one direction or the other depending on your needs. Um, but I think anyone who's, you know, not doing like what you and I do for a living, like, again, like just normal users, people in our families who just need a machine for to send their college kid off with or to use in an office, like the air seems like a really, really great way to go. And, I, and I'm glad because this was so confusing for so long. And, you know, you put MacBook Pro on it and, and I think some people are intimidated by the name and think they don't need that. And so they sort of don't even look at it and the air, you know, the, Apple could have called this machine anything. They could have called it the 13-inch MacBook. Mm-hmm. But they chose the name Air and they chose to, to retain like that wedge-shaped design because people love the MacBook Air. Like, yes, they do. And I think there are a ton of people who have like a 2012 or you know something MacBook Air out there looking to replace it. And they'll just go buy a new Air. And like it'll yeah. be great for them because it's going to be way faster than those older machines. And I think Apple is is looking to capitalize on the good faith people have in the air brand and i think they're they're right to do so agreed with everything you've just said <laughs> so macbook air uh thumbs up from the query podcast <laughs> yes saying. we love you you get the if there was a badge we would give you one the, the query yeah. badge <laughs> it's a star into the lid of it there you go all right that brings us to the speed run Yes, we are here finally. So we've got uh HomeKit, the HomeKit subject will never die. So we have <laughs> another question. And this is like a really this question like I read it I was like I actually have no idea about this. Um <laughs> and so you've done some research. So Alan asks, uh is there a way to trigger an alert or notification on my iPhone if I leave home with my garage door open? So Alan is using um uh, a, a smart, I guess, a smart garage yep. door opener and has like HomeKit and knows how IFTT works and all this stuff. So like, is there a way to uh, pull all of this together? So there is a company called Chamberlain. Chamberlain is, uh, it actually owns two different garage door manufacturers. It's it's interesting. It's kind of a monopoly that exists in the garage door opening world. Uh, they make a product called MyQ, and MyQ is the smart version of the garage door. So uh, Alan seems to have a MyQ garage door and a garage door opener and is wondering how in the world do I do this? Well, let me start by saying that I dug through a bunch of different stuff and tried to figure out a way to make this happen. I found out that MyQ now has a subscription service and got a subscription to see if that would fix it. I cannot find anything that's allowing me to create what you are wanting here. And let me just say too, that I think this is a huge oversight. If there's one thing that a garage door opener that's connected to the internet should provide it is that alert like hey you left your garage door open yeah and that isn't good i was I, shocked it didn't do this when i read the question i was like wait they don't this seems obvious to me <laughs> it should be built into the app and for some reason it's not what is built into the app are not location-based alerts but time-based alerts and <laughs> it, it just it doesn't make sense this should be available uh and the problem with IFTTT, and I did try Zapier or Zapier, however that one said, uh, too, is, but the problem with IFTTT is that when you use that service, it's if this one thing, then that one thing. So there's no sort of way to add conditions to say, if my garage door is open and I'm not at home, then give me a notification. Well, 
a pro tip out there for anybody who doesn't have any Elgato Eve accessories. They're now called Eve Home, Elgato separated from the company, but Eve Home accessories. The Eve app is one of the best ways. If you can't make it happen in the home app itself, check out the Eve app to do, uh, to do automations because there are triggers and conditions and rules that can all come together to give you these options. The problem with the Eve app is that there's no option for, Hey, just send me a notification. All you can do is say, Hey, set this scene whenever all of these conditions and, and things are met. So there doesn't seem to be a way to do this with using, you know, an app or a service. And again, that's an oversight. And I will be re- reaching out to my queue about this myself. Uh, there's something that you can do. And there's actually something that I just thought of as we've been talking. So I'm going to talk about that next. But first, um, one of the things you can do, and again, this is not quite the spirit of the, the request, but it could help. Um, if you go in and launch the home app for iOS and then you 3D touch or long press on your MyQ garage door, wherever that happens to be, so that you can access the settings, you'll go into status and notifications and make sure allow notifications is turned on. Uh, you can choose a time if you only want this thing to trigger during a specific time. I like it to trigger at any time, so I have it set to any. And then under uh, under people, which is essentially a location-based thing that says, okay, when people who I have invited to my HomeKit home are like, depending on where they are, I want you to do blank. Well, you can set it to when I am not home. And what that'll do is let you know if your garage door is operated while you're not home. So again, it's not if the garage door is open, then send me a notification, which is sad, but it would let you know, okay, I'm not home. And for some reason, my garage door is being operated. What the heck is going on? The thing that I just thought of, and once again, this is very complicated, um, but it is something that you could do is in your yard, you could set up a sensor, a, a motion sensor, and you could have it only send you a notification if the garage door is up. So you'd use something like the Elgato Eve app where you can set these conditions so that it says, hey, if my garage door is up and you detect motion, then let me know about it. Ah, uh, yeah. And that would let you then get that notification. Oh, wow, I did leave my garage door open. Doggone it. Um Again, not the most elegant solution. And it, you know, you run the risk of maybe the Bluetooth LE not making the connection or if it's Wi Fi or someone, you know, seeing this weird thing in your yard and deciding they want it, <laughs> whatever, you know, any <laughs> well, of I mean, these things. You'll get a notification as they walk up to it with a hammer. <laughs> That's true. Actually, uh, I did that whenever I put out one of those, like during, uh, the holiday time, I put out one of those fun, like laser light thingies that just shines up at your outside wall and sort of makes patterns. And I had seen some folks had been complaining about theirs getting taken. So I put a little, uh, sensor out there, motion sensor out there. And, uh, no, mine never, mine never got taken and I never got any notifications for it. So that was good. But anywho, uh, that is my suggestion for you. And again, I'm going to be reaching out to my queue because this should be a feature that's in the app because it's like one of the reasons, again, that you get a smart garage door. Ugh. Uh, any last thoughts on that, Stephen? It's crazy. This doesn't do this. <laughs> like, this is the, like you said, this is the exact thing that it should do. 
Yeah, um, should be the, the like the first feature you can set up. Hey, can we have location uh, access? Here's why. All right, let's go ahead and move on. Uh, Muhammad asks if there is a way to have apps that just play audio, like the phone or Overcast, to be included in screen time. So they, you know, are not using the screen; it's just playing audio in the background. Can you use those with screen time? Mm-mm. <laughs> doesn't seem like it because screen time I mean, is looking at how you interact with your phone. And I guess they view interaction as, as visual. So, you know, you can set an app limit, but on something like, say, so say you set an app limit for overcast for one hour, listening to a two hour podcast won't trigger that unless overcast is you're actually in the app for 60 minutes, which you're, you're probably not, you know, these apps you, you duck into, you start your podcast, you start your playlist and then you, then you go elsewhere. Uh, so it doesn't seem like you, you you can do this. I then looked at Moment, uh, which is an app that sort of has faded, and I think in iOS 12's reign of terror with screen time. <laughs> but Moment did a similar thing where you could see how your phone was being being used. It did some like clever stuff with like battery percentages and stuff. But uh, Moment in their FAQ says the same thing that no, we can't uh, we can't really track you know audio only type interactions. So. This is a great addition. I think it would be a great addition to screen time as one of those things that as soon as I read this question, I was like, oh, yeah, why doesn't it do that? You know, if, if you want to limit, you know, uh, music playback or podcast playback or audiobooks, if that's something that you want to or not even limit something you just want to monitor. Uh, this would be a nice addition for a future version of iOS. But as of right now, you're, you're sort of stuck, I think. So, Stephen, you're saying file a radar. Sure. <laughs> if you feel so inclined, you can file a radar. All right. Uh, lastly, uh, we have a question from Speedmaster, which I think is probably a family name, don't you think? Oh, definitely. Uh, <laughs> uh, for years, uh, I've used location services sparingly uh, with an eye towards battery life. But now I'm wondering, what are some great location services uh, and functionality I'm missing out on? Seems like Speedmaster just came into the possession of a 10s Max. No longer worried about battery life, I guess. <laughs> uh, so what are some useful ways to use location services on your phone other than Maps? Well, if you've got a, a smart home device that uses location for smart things like letting you know your garage door is open uh, – hello or, – or any of the other options available like – you know, automatically setting a scene when you're away that makes it look like you are home or uh, automatically turning on the cameras that you have set up and doing uh, motion detection while you're away from home and sending you a screenshot of of motion that it detects. Any of these things involving smart home automations is one of my favorite uses for location services. Uh, back when I used my front door to get into the house instead of having a garage, I also had location services turned on for my smart lock because I could it, what would happen is when I came into the sort of geo bubble, then it would prepare my smart lock. And then as I walked up to the door, it would pay attention to my activity, my movement. And as I walked up and got closer to the door, then it would automatically unlock my door for me and I could walk in. So when I'm carrying 50 bags of groceries, because you know you can only take one trip if you can help it, then my door was already unlocked. I didn't have to worry about trying to unlock it, which was really nice. The other thing is Apple Wallet and those sorts of passes when you are at 
at a concert venue, then the, the ticket automatically pops up. You can scan and get in. When you're at an airport, the boarding pass is there. When you're at Starbucks, your card pops up. When you're at Walgreens, you're, like all of these different passes within Apple Wallet are super handy to have available. Uh, so those are the main uses for me it would be smart home automations and uh, Apple Wallet and those associated passes. What about you, Stephen? My usage is very similar to yours. Uh, some smart home stuff, you know, we've talked in the past that I use a lot of Nest products and I have certain cameras come on or off if my wife and I are not home. And you set that up through the Nest application and uh, it works uh, pretty well. I, I do use it occasionally for reminders. So, like I don't use the reminders app to track my to-do list. I use, I use something else for that. But occasionally there's something like, I really need to do this when I get home. Like when you get home, you need to, you know, put the clothes in the dryer, like whatever, something that's like outside of my normal task list. And so a couple of times a month, I'll say, you know, Hey, uh, when I get home, remind me to do this. And I pull in my driveway and my phone reminds me. And, Mm -hmm. uh, that's a, that's a big help for like the few things that are really important that way. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, the wallet and the passes and stuff, uh, that's, that's great. And that's come a long way since, uh, wallet can now do things like, um, like cards at you know Walgreens or the grocery store or something like sort of uh yeah uh, yeah loyalty cards lo- loyalty cards uh you know before you'd have like oh right do I have one here and like now it's like it's just available and uh if anything I want location services to be even smarter and like even more granular so like, I have the problem right now where if I'm in my home office which is like not in the house it's like a behind the garage uh you know geolocation like thinks I'm at home mm-hmm. and it's like it really be nice like if you saw I was in my studio arm the cameras in the house or, yes. you know, do this or that. It's like I, I, w- I want more fine grain control and understand like GPS is only so specific and they're using Wi-Fi and cellular and all these other things to, to, to sort of pinpoint where you are. But I, I wish it could get better. And I think it, it will over time as technology improves. Even just the ability to sort of have those in-building mapping systems and stuff like that, I think is so great. Yeah, so go, go check it out. And there's lots of fitness stuff too. Like if you use Strava or, or any other sort of um, exercise tracking, like all that stuff uses location services and GPS and can be really helpful if you if you run or bike or swim to really uh, help categorize and sort of put some information towards your workout. So there's lots of good things out there to go to go check out. You can actually see in iOS settings – uh, you can get a list of what's uh, using location services and what will request it. And you, sometimes you can get a feel for like what's possible by looking through that list. All right. I think that does it. Thank you so much for listening to Query. You can find show notes this week at relay.fm slash query slash 43. This week, it's a lot of USB-C stuff and some <laughs> stuff about smart garage door openers. Uh, but that's all there. You can submit questions to the show uh, by tweeting with the hashtag AskQuery. In the meantime, you can find Micah on Twitter at MicahSargent, and you can find me there as ISMH. Until our next episode, Micah, say goodbye. Uh, Goodbye. Adios.